Hey there, beautiful souls. It is Lexi, and we are back for another episode of Soul Starter, the podcast. I'm very excited about our guest today because she's actually a dear friend of mine. We've been friends for probably about 10 years now, and I have just had the pleasure of watching her grow and transform and get married and have her first child and grow her business and I'm just really happy that she was willing to be a guest. So her name is Bailey, Bailey Cronin, and she is a doctorally prepared board certified psychiatric nurse practitioner and the CEO of a large group practice in Denver, Colorado. Bailey is a passionate advocate of the psychedelic renaissance and legalizing plant medicines. Bailey provides ketamine-assisted psychotherapy and spravato for treatment-resistant depression in her practice, and her other areas of expertise include perinatal mental health, functional medicine, and pediatric and young adult mental health. So she's just really here to um, help us expand and help us become better versions of ourselves and I love the way that she's doing it. She's just right there at the forefront of new medicines and going back to the earth, going back to plants for um, just their healing properties and allowing us to, you know, tap into some of those spaces in our minds that need healing. So without further ado, this is Soul Starter, the podcast with your hosts, Jessica and Lexi. We're two mamas on a mission to make entrepreneurship more accessible through soul-driven exploration. If you're ready to start a transformative journey rooted in self-care, intention, and growth, then this is the podcast for you. Join us and our guests each week as we explore the parallels between business, motherhood, and mindful living. Your intuition guided you here. Now let's get started. Bailey, how's it going? Hi, good. Thanks so much for having me. I'm so happy to have you. So in the rare occasion that I get to have a close friend on the podcast as a guest, here you are. I couldn't think of anybody better to talk, talk about our topic for the day. So you are a psychiatric nurse practitioner. Do I have that right? Yep, that's correct. And you own a business in Denver, Colorado called Peak Interactive Wellness. Mm -hmm. What do you do there? Tell us. We're very curious. Yeah. So Peak Interactive Wellness is a group psychiatry practice. So I started it, I opened it in 2016, but like started working at my own business in 2019 and hired my first employee in 2020. And now I have 15 people that work with me at the practice. So it's considered a large group practice now. And we do um, medication management. So that's what psychiatry is, a psychiatric evaluation with medication management. And then we also have two psychotherapists on board now, one that specializes in trauma and EMDR, and then another one that specializes in art therapy um, in in, in the queer population, which is much needed. And in my group, we practice more of like a holistic medicine, holistic psychiatry approach. So 
We believe in prescribing the lowest dose of medication for the shortest period of time and not like really layering on med after med. It's definitely more the lower the dose, the better. Did you say you have art therapy there? I just, yep, I just hired on an art therapist, someone who would actually like they create art during a therapy session. That's so so cool. Tell us more. Yeah. Yeah, So she hasn't even started seeing clients yet, but she is super cool and she will bring clients in. And then during their session, they kind of work on artwork and like um, expressing what's going on mentally and emotionally in the form of art. I love that too, because as we talk so much about like subconscious and conscious, like so much of images and visions and things that uh, come out of us through that subconscious are like abstract images. So that's so cool that you're utilizing art therapy as a way to meet more people. Mm -hmm. It's really neat. And thank you for doing this podcast, you guys. I think it's so amazing that like, it's so mental health focused and uh, obviously motherhood and entrepreneurship, but it's much needed. And one more thing with the the art therapy and kind of diving into the psychedelic realm of things. There was a psychiatrist, I guess he's still alive, but I don't think he's practicing any longer. And he did art therapy with his clients in the 60s when he was studying LSD. It was like a government funded research. So he had thousands of patients doing LSD and drawing their experiences. And so many people had the same experience and drew the same images. I think that's wild. What did they draw? So you'll like this too, I think. Uh, A lot of them drew like uh, being in the womb and what that environment looked like. And then also like their birth. And he was able to create like this theory and this framework based on what people drew. So if the birth or if the conception was loving, consensual, the, the fetus was nourished, it would be like a very beautiful, safe, comforting drawing. And if it wasn't, the the image is really like terrifying, I would say, like disturbing oh the, the people had a, a bad reaction with the LSD. It wasn't a good time. This is crazy. So episode 17 with Alyssa Donato, It hasn't aired yet as we record right now, but as our listeners are listening in, you can go back to episode 17. Alyssa talks about how our birth story becomes so much more of who we are. If we had a loving and nurturing exit and entrance into the world where mom was there, if we were sent to the nursery or if it was, you know, emergency C-section and like what this, what your body holds in terms of trauma based on what your birth experiences is. So this is crazy. I love how it's tying. I know it's amazing. Just coming back to like how your, who you are as an individual and how you're mapped out. It starts in the womb, Mm -hmm. obviously. Right. And then your experience in utero is plays a huge factor in your life after you are birthed. So that's, that's incredible. That study. I'm like mind blown right now. (laughs) I know. Same. So I know that psychedelics are kind of part of your practice. I think even when I just said hi, I think I called you a psychedelic nurse practitioner. And not a... <laughs> oh, I think you said psychiatric. Did I say it right? I was like, maybe I'm like, is my mind playing tricks? <laughs> anyway, um, okay. So tell us a little bit about why you decided to take this route with your patients and like what it looks like. Yeah. 
So after having my son, um, just turned two, I really was focusing on like maternal mental health. That was, you know, the client population that I wanted to work with. And prior to that, I did a lot of pediatric mental health. And I still like seeing, you know, perinatal clients and new moms, but I just like really got into um, the perinatal mental health, probably because of my own struggle with like postpartum OCD. Um, But then I ended up getting a different office space and I met with a rep from Johnson and Johnson. This is no way sponsored by them or anything, but she came to tell me about this, this new medication called Spravato and that is S-ketamine. It's a nasal spray and it was FDA approved in 2019, but that was like right in the thick of the pandemic or well, the start of the pandemic. And then during like the year 2020, it didn't really take off. And even in 2021, because it was an in-person, you're there at the office for two hours type of medication and people just weren't doing that. So she came to me, like not very many people are doing it in the Denver area. Um, And so I was like, yeah, I just got this new space. Like this feels really right. And like timing was spot on. And in 20 in the spring of 2022 I started with Spravato and I that was like my first experience really in the the psychedelic world with with clients and it was fascinating like just how much people improved like that is what I that is my my calling that is why I do this and it was just so cool to actually see like a medication do that for people in such a short time and then after that, after I kind of got the clinic up and running, I really got into using ketamine as a, a tool for healing. And I attended a psychedelic medicine training and um, got a certificate in ketamine psychotherapy. So I've been doing that as well. And it's very cool. And I'm sure you'll ask me more about that. But Yeah. <laughs> well, I'm like, even the generic listener right now, they're like, what's a ketamine? Yeah. Or you've heard the negative of psychedelics, right? Uh, or of ketamine. So right. please clarify for us like the, yeah. the differences. Of course. So I'll kind of give you a little history of ketamine. It's it's an old medication and it's actually on the World Health Organization's list of like necessary medications that all countries should have and have access to. So, you know, it's a safe medication if the World Health Organization is is recommending it. So it was developed in the early 70s, late 60s, early 70s, and it was used in like veterinary medicine. And it still is used in veterinary medicine. I know a few cats on ketamine currently. (laughs) But after it was uh, started and used in people um, during the Vietnam War, soldiers actually carried it like on their person and it was known as the buddy drug because if something happened to a soldier, they were in a lot of pain, their buddy would drop a shot of ketamine and give it to the soldier. And it wasn't as um, sedating and it didn't cause respiratory depression where people quit breathing, like other pain medication. So like if you're watching the movies and you see like a soldier give another soldier a shot and then they kind of get that glazed over look, that is like a ketamine injection. That's what they're showing. And then after that kind of, um, ketamine was being researched and that's when the first study came out I think it was like 100 people or something so really small study on ketamine for mental health 
And then the war on drugs happened and Nixon like made it really hard for any mind altering like psychoactive substances to be researched and studied. So that's when like LSD trials and MDMA trials for PTSD um, and ketamine for mental health, all those trials kind of stopped. But since then, ketamine has still been used like as a for anesthesia. So in surgery, that's what it's most used for. And then um, also for for pain, like if your child breaks his arm, goes to the doctor, probably going to get some ketamine um, for that. So really? Mm -hmm. Yeah, because it's a safe medication. Like it's really hard to like cause that respiratory depression um, and that sort of thing. So it's, we're already it's, microdosing children with it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay. okay. I'm just saying we were already. This is a drug that it's already in use. It is safe and approved by the FDA. Like it is not something to be feared or judged, right? When used appropriately and safely, just to clear the waters. Yeah. Exactly. And it can definitely be misused and is misused. Like people use it as a recreational drug and that's not safe because it's being laced with like fentanyl and, and things like that. And so I would say like, that's not the, the time or place to use ketamine. Like it can be so healing when used in the right, in the right setting and like a controlled container controlled environment. So you have a patient and you do this practice with them. What does it look like? What, yeah. How long is the process? You said they're there for two hours. Tell us more. Yep. So for ketamine assisted psychotherapy, we have a couple of prep sessions. So we do a psychiatric and like medical evaluation, just making sure that the, the client is a good candidate for, for ketamine. And then we kind of prep them on what to expect and ask them how they would like their environment set up. Because one of the most important things, you know, whether you're using ketamine or another psychedelic is the set and setting. So the mindset, feeling safe and secure, um, feeling like you're open for this experience, and then kind of going over anything that would make you not feel safe or secure. And then also the, the physical setting that you're in. Um, so just trying to set it up to make people feel really comfortable and, and held and protected in that vulnerable state. Um, and then you go ahead and do the ketamine session. In my practice, we use uh, an oral solution of ketamine and they swish it around for 12 to 16 minutes. You're like gargling, swishing in your mouth. Doesn't taste great, but eventually mouth goes numb. You can't taste it. And you're kind of floating off into this, this other realm so you're not aware that it's been 12 minutes of swishing. Um, and then they, you can swallow it or spit it out, or we do an injection of ketamine. Um, that would be my preferred method because it kicks in fast and there's not a lot of like hangover type side effects afterwards. Um, like the nausea, maybe feeling kind of tired or out of it afterwards. It's like, a, it's a really, it's really clean. Like it kicks in and wears off without a lot of side effects. Um, and someone is in what we call the ketamine space or having a ketamine journey, like a psychedelic experience for anywhere from like 45 minutes up to two hours. And during that time, anything can happen, which is really cool and interesting and fun for both me and for the client. And then after they kind of come out of ketamine space, we do a brief kind of uh, integration of what came up for them and what, they, what their experience was. Um, after that session, really the brain is neuroplastic for 24 to 72 hours. 
So that's a really good time to have an actual therapy session, like without the medicine involved. And that can be, that could be with my team or an outside therapist. And what ketamine does during that time is creates new neural connections. So it kind of rewires the brain, kind of takes things back online that maybe weren't um, because of depression or because of anxiety. And then during the integration, you really want to put together a plan that will continue to work with these new neural pathways so that they're being used and you're not reverting back to your kind of standard operating procedure or network, um, if you will. Wow, this is so interesting. I feel like it allows like the, the microdose, you know, the ketamine allows like barriers to potentially and walls to come down so that you're a little bit more in a vulnerable state to be ready and aware of change to happen. One thing I was curious about while you were sharing that was during the session, is it guided? Is it something that you're talking to the patient or client through and it's like a guided session or is it like that they're in just and they're off in their ketamine space alone with their own thoughts and feelings and emotions? So it can be either. If you do a smaller, like a micro ketamine dose, you're more uh, in like a psychoanalytical state, psychodynamic state where you can have conversation and kind of follow a stream of thoughts and, and work on things that you want to work on. Whereas if you're more in that psychedelic space, you can't control what comes up. You might like be able to repeat a mantra or like your intention for the, for the, the session, but it's going to take you where it wants to take you. Um, so there's really no way to control that. And you, you can't possibly carry on a conversation really in that state. So you'll have on like eye masks and an eye mask and headphones with some cool psychedelic kind of music that really aids in the journey. I highly recommend if someone's doing a ketamine session, no matter the form, like having the music, it enhances the experience so much. Yeah, there's different playlists on Spotify for like what you're wanting to achieve. Um, they're like the different hertz, I think is the term. Like, I don't know, I could link some in the show notes because sometimes if I'm like, I just want to cleanse my energy while I work, I'll play a certain frequency of music mm -hmm. in the background. Yes. And that vibrational frequency. Yeah. So, okay. This is making me think a little bit of hypnotherapy where there's like a hypnotherapy where it can be guided. And then there's a deeper hypnosis session where like, you can't really, you know, you can almost not even like remember what's going on. Do your patients come out remembering the whole journey or. It's, it's very variable. So some clients do and, and some clients don't, and it, it can be dose dependent. So that's why we like to keep it in a pretty tight range when we're dosing the ketamine, because we want you to remember what you experience, because that's where a lot of the growth happens. Um, I will have my clients kind of narrate their experience if they feel comfortable doing that. And if it's not going to distract them or kind of pull them out from that ketamine space. So maybe they say like bears, I don't know. So I'll just write, jot down bears and I'll ask them about it to kind of jog their memory when they come out of the, the ketamine space. Super interesting. And Jess, you brought up roadblocks or barriers. So is a good candidate for this somebody who maybe is having a harder time, like has tried hypnotherapy or has tried meditation or has like tried to access this deeper trance area for healing, but they can't seem to get there because of some kind of block? Are they the right candidate? Yeah, that's a great question. 
Um, so there's a couple different schools of thought on this. So yes, it can be enhancing for, for someone who has a block and maybe they, they aren't struggling with anything mental health wise, but like creatively or entre like in their, their a business endeavor, like they just have a block and they can't get over it. Ketamine can be used in that way. And it definitely is used in that way. It, like businesses will host retreats for their employees just to kind of do this, to like have a bigger picture or new ideas of, of what they're working on in their business. Um, and then thinking, when are we going to Colorado to do this? <laughs> no, I know. And there's a, there's a spa in, um, like outside of Santa Fe, I know that offers it as like a service at the spa. That's amazing. Yeah. But it has to be guided by like a licensed practitioner like Bailey. Yes. I would highly recommend if you're having any sort of psychedelic experience that it is being guided by someone who is trained, you know, whether that's a psychotherapist or like an actual psychedelic guide who has some psychotherapy experience uh, or nurse practitioner or psychiatrist, especially as these medicines become decriminalized, there's going to be a lot of like bros that pop up, like psychedelic bros, people who just have their own experience. And so they think they're an expert on it. And that is valuable. But at the same time, you need, it's, it's kind of like a marriage of experience, plus like the, the actual training that you get in school and with other clients too. Yeah, and you're bringing people through like a journey of multiple sessions and really listening into their specific needs. It's not like you're going down this, you know, the street to whoever or having like a one-time yeah. experience. Like when you work with Bailey or somebody who's a practitioner, you're getting a more guided and customized experience. Exactly, because one size does not fit all when it comes to psychedelics or ketamine. Everyone's gonna have a different experience, though some themes between like client to client, that, that does happen. And um, like what I have noticed is Psychedelic just opens you up so much more for connection with yourself and with others and like feeling love for other people and for yourself. And then also like a connection to something greater, whether that's, you know, something sacred or this spirituality or religion. So psychedelics really do have a theme in terms of like connectedness to each other and ourselves and something bigger and to nature too. I've noticed that as well. And I mean, the history, and you could correct me, but I feel like the history of plant medicine and psychedelics in general is extensively long, even tribal. I mean, there's so much that has been taken away from our ancestry of just how we would come together to heal and journey as a unit, as a community. Yep. Yeah, yeah in the indigenous cultures, um, using plant medicines, has been happening for eternity. And I think it's really important that as this kind of psychedelic renaissance carries forward, that the indigenous leaders are included in that because they have so much knowledge, like they are the experts um, when it comes to plant medicine. And we also need to respect like the indigenous cultures approach to using these medicines and like respect the medicines themselves so that indigenous people can still access them and use them. And yeah, that's like 
coyote comes to mind. And that's one that like in Colorado, when the Natural Medicines Act or something, I don't know what the formal term is, but it was passed where plant medicines are legal. Peyote is, is not, not legal, but decriminalized. And the reason they did that is because they, they want the peyote to be um, respected and saved for the indigenous healers and cultures to use. Good job, Colorado. Yeah. yeah. And also, I just like how you tapped into like respecting and honoring those indigenous cultures too and the wisdom that they bring because if we don't know like the root of where these things started from and you know how they've come to, to about them, we can't really respect them and fully embody them either. So that's really great that you, you that's also your approach and philosophy. Yeah, and you know, right now it's really cool time in research of these medicines. Um, so right now, ketamine, this is kind of backpacking to your question earlier, Lexi, ketamine is FDA approved for, um, or S-ketamine, I'm sorry, it's FDA approved for treatment resistant depression. So that's Bravado. So that just was approved in 2019. Regular ketamine that we use more for the ketamine assisted psychotherapy, that is not FDA approved for that. So that's something you're using off label. Um, again, because of that kind of big lag in research from the 1970s to like the early 2000s. And right now with psychedelics, ketamine included, the amount of research has doubled just in like the last 10 years compared to what we had in the 60s. So there's like a huge boom right now. Drug companies are like taking these molecules and like trying to create synthetic medicines that maybe don't have as long of a duration of action or as many side effects. And right now too, like psilocybin and MDMA are in phase three clinical trials. And so what that means is we're expecting in like quarter two, three and four of 2024 for those medicines to be FDA approved. And in June of this year, the FDA released um, clinical trial guidelines. So the things that they want to see in these studies in order for medicines to be FDA approved. And that's never happened before. So like the government is potentially on board, which is so cool. This is that psychedelic renaissance that you mentioned earlier, I'm assuming. Yeah. Yep, exactly. And you were just at a conference related to this. I know. Yeah. Yep. So Max would, <laughs> yeah, I geeked out hard at that conference. But yeah, MAPS put on a, a psychedelic science conference and I, I was like, gosh, I don't know if I'm going to go, but I was in Denver. And I'll make it work. So I kind of signed up last minute and I was like brought to tears in the opening statement because it was so powerful. Like the Buell Theater in Denver, I think it holds like 14,000 people. Every seat was packed and like this energy in the theater was incredible like everyone was so excited and like just ready to like stand up for these medicines and and be their voice right now and it's just so cool that so many people have an interest um in it at this point I can really see like your passion shining through too about your application and your passions about where medicine is going in this realm. I mean, you being innovative in the way that you have with your practice and that you attending these conferences and, you know, getting more research in, where do you feel like, you know, the next five, 10, 15, even 20 years is going to go utilizing this form mm -hmm. of uh, psychedelic, but also in the world of maybe maternal mental health, kind of, kind of looping it back to 
the community that you really wanted to serve? Yeah, so I think it's really going to open up the doors for collective healing. Our society is super sick, you know, and I think the pandemic really brought that out. Like my, it was good for my business, business boom during, during COVID, but it really brought out like how isolated people are and just how people are struggling in their day to day. And I think using these medicines in like much more broad sense is going to just create so much healing where our traditional psychiatric medicines fall short. And in the realm of, you know, postpartum depression and perinatal mental health, there was a study done not too long ago about using ketamine. Um, It was done in in moms who were having a planned C-section. And what they used was ketamine for the anesthesia for that for that um, C-section to see if it could be like preventative for postpartum depression. And it was a relatively small study and like, it's really hard to study pregnant and um, new moms because of breastfeeding and they're very protective and protected in the research world. But what it showed was that compared to regular anesthesia, the moms who had the ketamine had less um, occurrences of perinatal mood disorders. Wow, which is really that's nice. so cool. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And as someone who's had a C-section for my first baby and going through the anesthesia, like I can speak to like the feeling of like, you're just living in this weird world of like feeling drugged a little bit while you're also trying to bond with your baby, but you're kind of numb still like from a mental, emotional standpoint, how that's sort of like a barrier to that initial bond and even taking it all the way back full circle from the beginning of our conversation and Alyssa's episode, episode 17 that we did, of just like how important mom's well-being is in that pregnancy journey and that immediate postpartum journey and beyond, like how important that is to that child's well-being as well. Exactly. And ketamine on its own creates that sense of love and connectedness to yourself and others. So that's a perfect time, in my opinion, to utilize it. Like, can you imagine like feeling just that instant bond and not feeling as like groggy and out of it? Um, I, I think it has the potential for healing in that instance. And then also ketamine currently is being used in new moms for postpartum depression. But um you know, in the IV. So you go in and get an IV of ketamine. And I think it's being used a little bit in ketamine-assisted psychotherapy, but more mainstream for the for the IV clinics. There's another medication that was, it's not a psychedelic medicine, but it's another medicine that was approved in 2019 for postpartum depression. And it's like a, I want to say it's like an 80-hour infusion. So you're in the hospital to get this medicine. It's given to moms who have like Maybe they've had postpartum psychosis in the past or like something, you know, really scary. So they use it for that. Of course, then you're probably not with your baby for that time. You're in the hospital getting an IV. It's very, very, very expensive. Um, And I think the time to see improvement is like two and a half days or something um, along those lines. Whereas ketamine, people feel instant, like instantly better. During the infusion, you can start to feel better. Like that 24 hours after, we see a marked increase in in mood. Um, Doesn't cost as much. You're maybe away from your baby for two hours. I I just think the potential for for ketamine in that area is, is huge. 
Do you foresee something where there's like a smaller dosage that's taken independently once they've gone through maybe multiple sessions of these two hours where they kind of figured out that perfect dosage or um, that they're then sort of prescribed like, okay, this is your daily dose, sort of like, you know, postpartum mm-hmm. type medications. Do you foresee that happening with ketamine as well? I feel like it's going to happen, but a drug company is going to take a piece of the ketamine molecule so they can patent it and make some money on it. And then, and then we'll see that hit the shelves. Um, right now there are definitely psychiatrists who will prescribe ketamine in that manner, but because it is abused in that, in that party scene, it's, it's pretty hard to get a prescription for it, even though it has the potential to be so helpful for a lot of people. I have so much respect for somebody like you who has a practice coming out in place of purely wanting to help other people um, and not just prescribing things willy nilly just because um, of money. And, you know, you're Bailey's a reflector, by the way. Oh my gosh. So she is truly here to like yeah. change and help and reflect back to what you need. And what a perfect career. <laughs> Yeah, it's very fitting for you. Yeah, thank you. I I love my job and I'm like I'm so excited for the future in psychiatry. Um, and thanks for thanks to your podcast and to Lexi, I found out I was a reflector not like I don't know a couple months ago, month ago. I was like, oh my gosh, my whole life makes so much more sense now. <laughs> I know. I know. Human design has definitely like changed the way I look at the world as well another podcast for another day but it is fascinating to like you know connect people's human design and what they do for a living and then to see them light up with passion and creativity and like wanting to serve um and give in in the way that they do so that's why I mean like you're what the path that you've chosen as a way and means to of living is also like so in alignment with who you are so that's really really exciting yeah thank you yes and as a mom so your son was born like in the middle of this practice, the like, pandemic, and then you grew your practice to, did you say 15? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, 15 okay, let's, let's bring this around to the fact <laughs> that it is also a podcast for mompreneurs. Tell us how you did this. This is amazing. Oh, thank you. I didn't do it on purpose, really. Like... <laughs> It just happened. I always say that too. I'm like, I don't even know how it happened. Yeah, that's I so know. Cool. Isn't that wild? Um, like I, I when my son was born, I was like, I want to try staying at home. Or like, I went from having like three jobs to just having my my practice, and I was like, okay, I'm gonna slow down a little bit. And I realized the stay at home mom life is this is not for me. I want to create it and see clients. You know, do the whole thing. Um, so I went back to work after when he was like four months old and I was just going to work like a couple mornings a week and then things just picked up. And so then I got totally burnt out by the end of 2022, beginning of 2023 and kind of shifted more into a CEO role versus seeing as many clients. Um, I'm glad I did that. But yeah, being a mom and an entrepreneur, it's really cool, but also at the same time, like tiring I'm tired (laughs) your brain doesn't turn off as much as like if you were to work a nine-to-five right like you show up you clock in you do your job you go home you clock out and so 
you know, even from my perspective of working like that technical nine to five and then also owning my own business um, with a really similar journey as you, it's interesting to see the parallels. But that, that is totally makes sense. Like it, it is more tiring, if you will, because we have to create those boundaries because they're not already enforced for us. So how do you feel like you as a mom and a business owner have created those boundaries to protect that space for yourself, for your family, for your home? Um, and then also like compartmentalized work with that. Or maybe you have it and that's okay too. I'm like, yeah, I'm still I, working on it. It's a work in progress. Yeah, it, it's always a work in progress, right? I think I just really try to be present. And it's actually something Lexi told me. It's like a new mom tip when I was like debating going back to work or like staying home with my son. And I was like, just trying to do it all. And I didn't feel like I was spending quality time with him because I was like multitasking, emailing and holding him, feeding him, you know, I think I was even working in like the labor and delivery bed, like before he was born and after he was born. So if I have another child, like that's a hard no, I'm not going to bring my computer to the hospital this time. But I think now I just really prioritize like, spending that time that I do get with my son, just not having my phone, not having my computer. If there's things I need to do, I'll do it when he goes to bed. But it's not fair to him, you know, for me to just be getting like 50% and my, my job 50%, you know, at the same time. Yeah. Be all in on what you're doing in that yeah. moment. Even yeah. if it means you have to get up like at five in the morning or stay up late, that's kind of the entrepreneur life though. I think we, we know that when we sign up for being business owners, but at the same time, there's just that inner drive, like being at home full time personally for, it sounds like the three of us, it just wasn't the journey for us. That doesn't make mm -hmm. us better or worse than anybody else. It just meant we, we needed something different, but giving it our all when we're in the moment to whatever it is we're, we're doing, that's the key. Yeah, that's definitely been the ticket for me too, of like trying to utilize um, the analogy of like being present where your feet are planted. And I don't know where I heard that because I would love to give credit to whoever I heard that from, <laughs> but I remember the first time I heard that and I was like, oh, that's what presence is all about. <laughs> like, okay, that makes sense. And so like, yeah, I love to hear that you kind of created that for yourself too, of like, when I'm at home, I'm present at home. And when I'm at work, I'm all in and present at work. Um, yeah, and like you said, it's like, it's always a balance. It's always an ebb and flow. And there's gonna be days where the kids are sick and you end up working from home and it just is the way it is. But like being able to have your kiddo like understand and know all of that and communicate with them, especially as we get older, right? It's hard yeah. for babies. Yeah. yeah. Props to those stay at home stay at home mom so gosh I wish I could do it I think that's it's, it's like more more work it's harder than what I do I think in different ways yeah I think they're both yeah. hard jobs like being an entrepreneur and a working mom is really hard and being a stay-at-home mom is also like really hard but on the flip side they both have beauty and like really exciting mm -hmm. things that happen and so yeah they're just different yeah I I mean, this could be a whole other podcast episode, but I think our souls come here for like a specific reason. And maybe at one point, your specific reason is to learn how to nurture and to care for and to be a mother. And maybe that is 
truly the person who is like, I just want to stay home and that I'm perfectly content being home and that is what my soul is here to do. And so I feel like if you come at it from a perspective of like, what is this person's soul here to accomplish? And then honoring that in that person, like Bailey is here to change the way that we view medicine and to reflect back what we need to see in ourselves and to help us heal. Like that is Bailey's purpose. I mean, and I'm sure there's more to that. And like Jess, you have your own and I have my own. And if we can see and respect that in other people, it's honestly like this very fresh perspective. Even if you disagree with somebody and like coming to, if you're like thinking politics or I mean, these things that are really triggering for some people, it's like, well, what are they here to learn? Like, I'm not, I don't necessarily have to be their teacher or change their perspective. It's like they are on their own path, but Anyway, I could go Love down that, that tangent. So much. I could so go down that tangent. And sorry, I am gonna go a little further. I feel like hypnotherapy or like guided sessions, what you're doing, Bailey, allow us to tap into that purpose more. Like what our soul is here to achieve. Like for me personally, in those deeper sessions of meditation and hypnotherapy there's so much like love and healing and understanding for who I am innately and like what I need that it gives me a greater sense of purpose as I go like out into my life so and that's been the experience for a lot of my clients too you know whether they are moms or or not like they walk away from sessions just feeling like so at peace with with who they are and what they're doing. And they kind of have a, a path forward to any, anything that was standing in their way, which is really fun to see. Do you have any, I know you, you obviously can't share details, but are, I'm very curious if you have any, like anything that's been said to you after a session that was very eye-opening or your own, like, I'm sure you've practiced on your own, like psychedelic yeah. medicine, like things that have been transformative for a client or for yourself. Yeah. So in my psychedelic training, it was a experiential training. So I did um, a couple different forms of ketamine and um, with the integration following. And for me, it was just like you know, spirituality. That's something that I had been working on, you know, with my own coach and therapist and really wasn't seeing it very clear and I had one session ketamine and I wasn't even like trying to go there like it just happened and I think it was like a spiritual awakening which is amazing for me I think it brings a lot of purpose to my life um, and then another thing that I wasn't even trying to work on was like IVF like my son was born using IVF and we have some embryos left over and I didn't even realize it was something that like I needed to process, but I like mourned the loss of the embryos that I wouldn't be using my partner. She's like, I could tell that you were like at peace. Like you had tears, you know, falling down your face, but you were like calm, kind of emotional talking about it, but that's yeah, super cool. Um, one funny thing that kind of has come up is I've had multiple clients tell me in kind of their dissociation or like their psychedelic space that they see the windows 95 logo like the computer screens that are kind of like waving across the really? computer yeah so i was like that is so 
weird. Why would multiple people kind of have that same, that same vision? And I'm like, actually, whoever created that probably was on some sort of psychedelic when they had the idea. Well, so they like, just permeated in their brain. The low screen <laughs> or what? Like the, yeah. the bouncer? It's like yeah. the, yeah, it's like this Windows 95. It's like a computer screen and it just like waves across. It's like the screensaver. Yes. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. It's just like a really specific thing for people to have. But That's so bizarre. Uh, I've had so many clients who say that they're just full of love when they are in the ketamine space. Like, I'll like peek in on them if I'm not next to them when they're doing Spravato. And they're like texting. Like, hey, you, sh- you know, you shouldn't be on your phone right now. They're like, I just had to tell my my daughter, my son, that I love them so much. And well, that's that's sweet. Carry on. <laughs> <laughs> so cool. I I feel like we could talk about it for hours on end. Is there anything else that you wanted to share about this or about this renaissance, about this healing modality? I, I think it's just important to say that there is a safety aspect, like whether you're looking for your own ketamine-assisted psychotherapy provider um, or you're experimenting with psychedelics on your own, like set and setting really matter. Make sure you have a, a safety plan in place or someone with you, a buddy who can help you through a difficult moment because it's not always going to be beautiful and happy and easy. Like tough things come up and you need to have someone who is able to unpack that with you so that it doesn't leave you more traumatized than than uh, when you started and there's you know specific medical uh, complications that can happen with these medications and so you really need to be screened beforehand by a professional to make sure it's appropriate and from a psychological standpoint if you have a history of psychosis or a strong family history of schizophrenia um, or even bipolar disorder, like going the psychedelic route could do more harm than good. That is good to know. Yeah, and you said that in Colorado, it's approved right now, but not in other states. Or will you clarify for, we have listeners that are you know, all across the country, of course. So tell me yeah. where it's at in the states right now with, with approval. And, yeah. So ketamine is um, legal everywhere, all 50 states, Um, and ketamine-assisted psychotherapy can be accessed in all states. It's a little bit harder to access it in some than others, but in terms of like plant medicines, uh, Colorado has legalized it. I think it's on the ballot for California. Uh, Washington and Oregon, I believe, are also um, legalized, and Oregon has some really cool programs if you wanted to go like the psychedelic or the psilocybin, some magic mushroom psychedelic route. I've seen some really cool retreats and things come out of Oregon. Um, and then, yeah, definitely. And then one thing I forgot to mention is that Australia just legalized MDMA and psilocybin for use in mental health. So like if they're doing it, we're going to do it. I just, I just know what's going to happen. So powerful to have like another tool that is, I don't know, just more, the more holistic approach or like this well-rounded approach to treating and accessing these deeper parts of the brain. And like the brain is so, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Yes. So like you can 
you can do so much good. I mean, you can do a lot of bad, but you can do so much good. I'm curious, Bailey, to see what people paint and like create after when that program is like totally up and running. You should plaster one wall with all the art. Oh, oh yeah, that would be art cool. Wall. Yeah, I, I love art that. wall at home for my daughter. I, I love art walls. That's what you do. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so speaking of retreats, I know it's in the back of your mind. Is you got something in the works or? Yeah, we're planning a, like a mini retreat. So just something to keep it local in Denver um, at our office. And we'll do some auricular ear acupuncture with uh, meditation and some yoga for mental health. And then a group ketamine session with um, some integration afterwards. So cool. Yeah, when yeah. is that? I, know, I might need to visit Denver. Do you have like the dates and all that set in stone? We, we don't have the specific dates locked down yet, but um, we're thinking the end of September. Fine. Yes. So exciting. Yeah. All right. Well, we'll have to let the listeners know when that comes out um, in case that anyone wants to join you. Yes. And then if I anyone wants that. to find you, Bailey, where can they go? So peakinteractivewellness.com is my website. And then we have a social media page on Instagram at peakinteractivewellness. But that is one thing I'm not good at <laughs> is social media. So that's a goal of mine for the last year and a half to, to maybe make some posts on there. I like you said the last year and a half. At this, at this point, you might hire yeah. like a content strategist for you. <laughs> I feel you, Bailey. I'm not very active on, on the socials. And it either I'm trying, I try and then, but this is entrepreneur life. Like we have, we have different focuses. Exactly. Yeah. Pick your, um, pick your power and then outsource the rest. Definitely. (laughs) So true. I love you, Bailey. Thanks for being here. Yes. I love you. Thank you so much for having me. It was fun. I'm glad you were here to share and it's such an interesting and um, cool like topic to to open up because I feel like it's not as actively talked about so yeah and hopefully it's provided some clarity as like alternate options and ways that help you connect to yourself deeper as an individual as a woman as a mom um, but just knowing that there's so many different routes that you can take to be able to go deeper within um, and this is just one of them so thank you for helping us like highlight uh, a new innovative way to do that and another option too that maybe others don't know much about or have nervous have been nervous to like investigate so I think you did a great job sharing all of that today so thank you so much yes thank you thank you for tuning in today you can find more information about today's episode in the show notes at soul-starter.com forward slash podcast. We also love to connect with you on Instagram at soulstarterco, all one word. And please don't forget to leave a review and subscribe on your favorite podcast player. You can also watch the video recordings on our YouTube channel at Soul Starter Co. See you in the next episode.